Welcome to City Talks, a monthly podcast looking at the big issues facing UK cities and the latest thinking on urban policy. I'm your host, Andrew Carter, from the Think Tank Centre for Cities. I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to City Leaders. This is a new podcast series from the Centre for Cities where we talk to influential people who are shaping the cities of the UK. Uh, In each episode, we'll be talking to them about what it's like to be the leader of their place, how their place is performing, the challenges and the opportunities, and what their visions and ambitions for their place is in the future. Today, my guest is Steve Rotherham. Steve is the Mayor of Liverpool City Region and has been since 2017. Before that, he was an MP for seven years, and before that, he was a councillor for eight years. So you've been in you've been in politics and local politics for quite a while, Steve. Good to have you on the on the show. Let's let's talk a little bit about um, your experiences of being the city region mayor. Obviously, elected in 2017. You know, try to take yourself back to there. What did you think the job was going to be like? And what is it? How has it turned out to be the what you thought, or completely different? Um, well, what it's turned out to be is nothing like we originally <laughs> thought it was going to be. And I say we because obviously uh, my decision to leave Westminster and um, Andy Burnham's decision to leave Westminster was predicated on a discussion that we'd had about whether it would be better using our energies to try to see whether we could do things more locally but also to see whether we could bring Greater Manchester and the Liverpool City region closer together and to create a northwest powerhouse. Because if you remember at that time, George Osborne was talking about a northern powerhouse and it was an abstract concept that I knew was going to be fraught with difficulties. Why couldn't we work more closely together in the northwest and then to see whether we could use devolution for good? Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it take us back to that sort of that kind of time, and obviously it was it was a new a new organisation, new institution. You know, you as you say, you were in the vanguard of the new metro mayors. How, how did so? I mean, how did that play out? How did you how did you go about then making the the role what it what it is, and what do you think some of the big milestones have been along the way? Oh, a huge progress. So I'm I'm delighted with the things that we've been able to deliver. But it started literally with laying the foundations. And look, I'm a construction worker, as you know, as a as background um, to where I am and where I've been. But I always knew that you have to get that right. Otherwise, the bit that you build on top of it is literally built on sand, isn't it? It's likely to, to crumble. So we spent a long time having to put the machinery in place because I came in with nothing at all. Uh, I had to then start to develop the strategies. I knew what the vision was. I knew what I wanted to do. And I've always thought that an area like the Liverpool City region wasn't maximising the potential of the area. And it had to have something other than its great history to call on. And and everybody here is delighted with the likes of the visitor economy, which is built around that wonderful um, chapter that we had many years ago where we were either, you know, the one of the first ports in the whole world, um, whether it was around music, whether it was around the white heat of technology. But all of those things were things in the past, and we didn't want to rest on our laurels and, uh, and you know, always look backwards. We wanted to see whether there was things that we could do that would really 
point the way to a bright new future. And we've been able to develop some of those because we are now recognised as being one of the innovation hubs in the UK. Yeah, so say a little bit more about that, Steve, because as you say, you know, there's a rich history and a you know a, a cultural reference which is global in terms of Liverpool, whether it's music or whether it's um, sport or whether it's you know it's industry and and as you say, the danger is you always look backwards and never forwards. But I think one of the things you've been deliberate about is trying to portray you know the city region where it is today, but also you know where it could be, where it can be, whether it's green energy whether it's green transport, you know, whether it's green innovation, you know, very much looking looking forward. So, so just say a little bit about, you know, where that comes from as an idea and a vision, but then what some of the actual details of what how you're thinking about the next phase of the city region's development is. Yeah, because you can use history, can't you, to learn the lessons and also to hopefully not repeat the mistakes. And what we've done it here is to, to look at what we did to be pioneers to be at the vanguard of those um, innovations when they were forthcoming around those times. So, for instance, when you know, trains, we were the, the first area to have um, the train uh, trials, which was the Rainhill train, uh, trials, as you know. We opened the first tide dock and the first dry dock. You know, the first canals were between Liverpool and Leeds. And all. So we were always leaders in the first industrial revolution. But I want the same way in which those trains and docks and canals were used centuries ago. I want us to look at green technology. So our natural assets in, in wind and hydrogen, and especially in tidal, to make us leaders in the green industrial revolution. I think we can become Britain's renewable energy coast along here. You know, the Mersey tidal range is massive. We've got something called high net, which is about hydrogen. Um, we've got innovations of things to decarbonize energy intensive industries. That's called glass futures in St. Helens. But all of that is a way in which we can recapture some of that ground that we lost out on um, in the post industrialized world, which meant that areas like the North were literally left behind by governments. Yeah, and we'll come on to, you know, because you, you obviously you play a prominent role in, in not just articulating what, what Liverpool City Region is all about, but actually the role of place and places like yours and how how the, the country needs to change in order to maximise the potential of that. But just, just continuing on that theme in, in terms of the future, what's the role then do you see as the you know for you as the mayor of the of the city region and the combined authority you know is it is it the convener the galvanizer the sort of catalyst for bringing different interests whether it's the universities or whether it's the the business community how do you kind of envisage um you know the role of of the mayor in, in all of that well one always says you have two ears and one mouth and that's because you need to listen twice as much as you speak and and that's sometimes difficult as a politician because you get asked lots and lots of questions, of course. But I've literally been around all of the stakeholders in the whole of the city region, asking what their views are and seeking what the ability of our area with the assets that we've got would be to look towards that bright future. Uh, and we've got a vision here uh, and it's starting to really um, crystallise around the great assets. So digital connectivity will be huge. You know, we've just um, been through, haven't we, the, the first global gathering of people who started to look at AI and 
that was in the UK whilst we were um, away in uh, Washington DC. There was an American gathering of people who were talking about, about AI. AI is going to be huge. And if we get AI right and get the guardrails around AI so that it's safeguarding some of those nefarious things that AI, AI could actually um, lead to, we could use AI for good. I, I want us to be right at the epicenter of that. We, we've got a, a scheme that in a, a few months' time will mean that the city region will have unparalleled uh, digital speeds. They'll have the capacity for big data analytics, and we'll have a latent advantage over other places um, to connect the UK with North America. And this is called LCR Connect. It's something that um, you know came from conversations that I'd had, but very clearly it's only happened because of two things. One, because of devolution. And the second part is because we've got a metro mayor whoever that might have been, but we've got a Metro Mayor who can articulate that vision and convene those stakeholders so that everybody buys in and is pulling in the same direction. And is that the real, you know, for you looking back over the, you know, your your terms, Steve, is that the advantage of, of the Metro Mayor in the sense that, you know, that it's not just because it's you, but because of the, you know, the the place, the institution itself, it, it has that convening, that pulling together, that the strategic oversight that allows you then to play in that kind of space, both internally, but I guess to, you know to the outside world, whether it's the business community or whether it's government or whoever it is, is that is that the real advantage? You know, was that the thing that really attracted you to the to the position in the first place? And I guess you know continues to you know to to be an attractive place to be. Well, if you think of London, I mean, it's only three decades, isn't it, since they got a, a mayor? Uh, you know somebody to, to speak and articulate the concerns and the vision of London. Um, and if you think back, it was Ken Livingston, wasn't it? And then uh, we really, unfortunately, we had Boris Johnson, you've got um, Sadiq Khan. If you think about why that on a world stage has been really important for London, then areas with really, really great brands like Liverpool's an amazing brand, in a global sense, we haven't been able to to punch above our weight, and, and we really should be because the brand is as strong as it is. But that's because we never had one voice. We had lots and lots of people saying different things, and it was causing confusion. And if you look at Greater Manchester, for instance, they had the Association of Greater Manchester Authorities, and they worked together for decades. And whilst they were getting on and, and, and working collaboratively, we had areas in our own city region who were fighting each other and we've lost out on major schemes such as a tram system for instance we lost out on the tram system in the liverpool city region because we had conflict instead of collaboration so that's why it will pay dividends and we really are starting to to work together more cohesively than we ever have in in our six districts yeah um, you mentioned your uh, your very good friend uh, there. That's the mayor of uh, Greater Manchester. I know you and Andy are um, penning a book together about your experiences, but also you talk a lot about the both of you and talk about the need to rewire the country in a sense to really make the most of somewhere like the Liverpool City Region or Greater Manchester and others. It's not just a little bit of tinkering. There's quite a significant bit of 
rewiring that does it has quite big implications for Westminster and why told the way the country um, operates. Just say a little bit more about that. So, I mean, why is why is that important? You know, why is a, a big rewiring job required, and what do you think are the coming kind of the benefits that that might um, that would unlock if we got it if we got it right? Well. When I was a member of parliament, I, I was there, I was in that bubble. I, I saw it for myself. Uh, and so no one can kid me that it doesn't happen. But that London centricity, that everything is seen through the prism of what's in the best interests of a very small part of the overall uh, landmass of the country, then that, that, that was hugely frustrating. And devolution for me is that big opportunity to do things in a very, very different way. And we're already starting to do that. You'll, you'll see that there's collaboration between different areas in the country now. We've got Metro Mayors. But even with the devolution and the limited devolution that we've got, we're still the most politically centralised democracy in the OECD. And if you have a look at the imbalances in things like our economy, them two things surely can't separate they're intrinsically linked it's because things are seen in a london centric way that you have areas that have literally just been left to wither on the vine and i don't think that's fair and i've, I've looked at other models I've, I've obviously been and and spoken to the german government and looked at what they do and even with the unification when you know the west and east joined together there was a plan to do that and there was a a way in which funding was distributed more fairly so that areas who had been left behind could pick themselves up. And you're starting to see, you know, those areas becoming super um, powerhouses in their own right. That's what the UK could be like. We could unleash huge potential in the North, for instance. 17 million people across the whole of the North. Twice as many people live here than they do in London, and yet we get a fraction of the funding, we get a fraction of the investments, we get a fraction of the uh, the attention from central government. And I just think that we need to do better to rebalance that whole argument. And we've been able to articulate the concerns of our area just as London has now for decades. Yeah. Um, and so. There's a sort of a, a different view that's required. I mean, it, beyond when you then move into the, what would it, what what does you know the government of the day need to do? Because you know they would still have to do something in order to, you know, to devolve more or to give more power or more resources. What 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 is it that you think they need to do? And obviously, we're talking in the context that we'll have an election, general election, at some point in the not too um, distant future, which you know some of these issues may. You know, may may form part of the debate and the discussion. So, what what is it that you would want to see the, let's say, the next government do in order to to fulfil what you what you've just set out? It's probably the least sexy issue that any politician is going to talk about, but it has to be around the way in which Treasury Green Book operates, and we're never going to get fairness across the country unless something's done. Um, to ensure that there's transparency and that there's fairness in the distribution of funding. Uh, if you have a look at what the government call levelling up and the farcical way in which pots of money and good, decent um, pots of money, 
that would have made huge differences to big chunks of the North, how that was distributed and the opaque nature, should we call it, of, of that uh, distribution. Because, you know, quite frankly, if you've got areas that have been identified as areas of need by the government, and yet areas that didn't rank anywhere near um, that table of, of, of need and deprivation were receiving funding, such as, should we say, there were two ex-chancellors of the exchequer whose areas got huge sums of money and yet an area like in ours, in our city region, uh, Highton, didn't get a single penny. And yet it's in one of the top 10 areas of deprivation that was um, prioritised by government for receiving level enough funding. I think the whole thing absolutely stinks. And unless we start to change that and take out the um, parochial nature of, of the way things are um, dealt with by national government so that it favours people who say, for instance, vote one particular way when they're in government over areas of real need, then we're never, ever going to solve the problem. No, uh, you know that. Yeah, that's about you know transparency and understanding and count, accountability in the way that government goes about the you know its business. I mean, you you referenced Germany, and obviously they had they have that and continue to have that as a way that national resources get. They also have, you know, the places themselves are much more empowered, much more robust, much stronger institutions to be able to wield you know, powers and resources. Did you see that as being a sort of an additional element in the sense that the, you know, the combined authority needs to be strengthened and boosted and made, you know, made stronger, made more robust over over the next parliament? Yeah, ours is more decentralisation than devolution, isn't it, if we're all honest? Mm. I mean, the closest that we've got to real devo is what's happening in West Midlands and in Greater Manchester with the single pot settlement. Now, <clears throat> that's something that we're really interested in, in in our area, and so are the other metro mayors, because that gives you flexibilities for you to make those decisions on where that funding should be spent in your locality. At this moment in time, we have to bid in for pots of money. It's the government then decides on who gets that funding. Say we get a chunk of it, then we have to do what the government tell us to do with that funding. But that might not be in the best interests of our area. So we find ourselves all the time in this, you know, the beauty contest of trying to get pots of money and then not having the flexibilities to be able to be innovative in how we spend it. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, let, let's close by coming back to to you, uh, Steve. Just, I mean, you know, you, you've been doing this job for a while i mean what what's you you said it wasn't really when you were thinking about it before you started it's not really turned out to be in quite the same way as what what it is but what what, what are the sort of lessons or insights what what are the reflections that you take away from your pre you're coming towards the end of a second term i'm assuming you're going to stand for a, a third term i mean what would you you know what would you be saying to yourself in terms of you know a, a third term mayor what are the kind of things that you've learned over the over the last seven or so years Pace is everything. We You need to get tangible results of all the hard work. So I, t I told you we did all the groundwork early on. Uh, we developed strategies. We responded to government demands. We've got a quality assurance framework that's there in place. 
all of the mechanics of it have all been built. And now we need to crank up the sausage machine and, and start making things. And that's the exciting bit now. That's why I'm standing for a third term because we're on the cusp of seeing the realization of all of that really hard work over many years. So I'll give you a couple of examples. We're, we're, we're now um, in what I want to call an innovation zone. The government are calling them investment zones, but what does that mean? We just get the chunk of money. Now we're, we're going to become an innovation zone and we've worked with all of the partners around this. It's so exciting for us because it means that for health and life sciences, we'll become the epicenter for many of those developments. So we've got the Liverpool School of Tropical Medicine, as people will know. Um, and then we've got the um, Global Pandemic Institute now based in our area. And there are lots and lots of other things that we want to do, including, it has to be said, around mental health and non-pharmaceutical interventions. And all of this is being pulled together because we have a combined authority, we have a, a metro mayor. So that is the really exciting bit of the job. And we need to capitalise on some of the other things. So, for instance, on public transport, we've got um, plans to franchise our buses, similar to what they do in London. So um, Andy uh, has already done it in Greater Manchester, where the, the next in line. But we want to bring ours together. So we're going to make an announcement in the next few days about our trains. And we're going to bring our trains back into to public ownership. And that means that we can have a proper London-style integrated transport system, which we control and is operated on behalf of passengers and not on behalf of shareholders. Fantastic. An exciting development on which uh, to finish. Steve, thank you very much for being part of City Leaders. Thanks, mate. Next Thursday, we'll speak to Marvin Rees. Marvin is the mayor of Bristol. We'll be talking to him about his reflections on the role he's held for the last seven years. And the week after that, we'll be talking to Mike Ross. Mike is the Liberal Democrat leader of Hull City Council, a position he's held for the last two years. We hope you enjoy those episodes. Thank you for listening to this episode of City Talks brought to you by Centre for Cities. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher by searching Centre for Cities. Please rate, review and subscribe if you liked what you heard. You can also follow the Centre on Twitter at Centre for Cities or like us on LinkedIn for the latest updates on what the Centre is up to. If you have any comments on the episode or suggestions for topics we should cover in the future, we'd love to hear from you. Do tweet us or send an email to info at centreforcities.org. The music was from Palace Fires by Johnny Foreigner, used with permission and all rights are reserved.